0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusaya of the Vivified Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. All right! Look, I want to welcome you very specially to this evening's uh, Bible study service. Thank you for taking your time to be here. Uh, And I mean, you are in for an amazing time. This is the word of God live and direct to your heart and your spirit. All right. And I want you, look, we're starting a new series and you cannot afford to miss a beat. We have about five. um, We have five Sundays to go in this teaching series. And I can't, I, I can't let you miss one. Look, you can't let you miss one it's it's sequential we're going to be going step by step it's progressive and so we're starting on a very high key today some of you might have heard some of these things for some of you you just haven't seen it this way before and that's okay but look at the end of the day we are committed to making sure that God's will prevails in your life say aloud amen oh I am excited look this is a series that is practical so with everything that will be taught, today is the introduction, but with everything that will be taught, you need to prepare your mind to actually put these things to practice. I promise you, you might not be comfortable with some of those things. Some of those things might seem laborious and tedious and tiring and boring and, you know, ju- you just don't feel that motivation, but look, it's worth it. It's worth it. So prepare your mind to act these things out, to start taking You know, those practical steps that you need to take uh, to make this fruitful in your life. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. All right, look, I want you to open your Bible with me um, to Colossians chapter 4 from verse 12. It's a popular scripture to those of you here, um, but I want you to check it out. Let's go to Colossians chapter 4 from verse 12. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Colossians 4, verse 12. All right. This is what it says. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you. And this is what Epaphras does. See, See what he does. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Can you say perfect and complete in all the will of god look epaphras spent his time his long hours sleepless nights laboring fervently for one thing for the people that he was in charge of for the people he wanted to see grow and this is also my heart's desire for every one of you here that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of god that's my heart desire for you that in everything when the world sees you they see you as perfect and complete in all the will of god when god himself sees you he sees you as perfect and complete in all the will of god the good news is this by reason of salvation We have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What that means is we have a right standing with God. And what that means by extension is that when God sees you, he sees Christ. And that's huge because Christ is perfect. Christ is righteous. Christ is holy. Our Lord Jesus Christ is all those things. And because of his sacrifice on the cross, he's made it possible That you share in his righteousness. That you share in his holiness. So when God sees you, he sees you as perfect. He sees you as complete because you are in Christ. But this is different. The prayer point Epaphras is praying is one that involves action. Not just standing, but action. Right? It says that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That that explains that in in the things that the the people do, in the actions they take, that they will actually take those actions aligned with the will of God, in tandem with the will of God. And that is my prayer for all of you. And I want us to start on that note because that's a good place to know. So if there's any goal, if, if I had any wish, if I was granted a wish, you know, and I had a genie in a lamp. For those of you who have watched Aladdin, and I had one wish to wish, and I had the lamp. Or maybe three wishes. It's usually three wishes. I had three wishes. One of those three wishes definitely would be, I wish that these people, this, this children of yours, oh Lord, that they will stand perfect and complete in all the will of, of you, and all your will. That's what I'm going to ask. That they stand complete and perfect in the will of God. That's my heart desire. What that means is, look, every one of you got into the faith. At some point, I believe, you believed the message of the gospel. God saved. But you started as infants. You started as children. Everyone who is born starts as a child. But there is the expectation of growth. and, And that's also a desire of mine that as everyone who has come into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we all grow to maturity, that we grow into consistency, that we grow into moral excellence, that our actions align with the will of God. Praise the name of Jesus. But let me not get ahead of myself. Let's start here, okay? Can I just ask you a question as you're listening to me right now? Can I ask you a very good question? Think about something. Think about your past. What does your past look like? What what does your old life look like? Can you just take a second to think about it? What what were the things that you did in your old life? Think about them, especially the negative things that happened. Now, on one hand, it's good to forget all about the past and move on it it, it's good to forget about the past and just move on and say you know what bygones are bygones The, the past has happened i need to move forward and that's good it's okay to forget those things because you don't want to trigger memories or trigger feelings you want to just move on but on the flip side it's also very important i believe to remember the past Why? (laughs) why? I know the past is gone. All things, all things have passed away. All things have become new. So why remember the past? Because sometimes remembering where you come from helps you appreciate where you are in Christ. Remembering, you know, there's this song, when I remember the place where you brought me from. Lord, I thank you for where I am today. That's a song that we sing because when you think, look. It's only the one who remembers how much debt that they owed that appreciates when the debt is forgiven, appreciates it enough. And so look, sometimes, I mean, every one of us has a past. I have a past. You have a past, you know, for sure. God doesn't want us to remain in the past. God doesn't want us to live in the past, but it's important to remember what your past looked like. And see where you are in your present. There will be a problem if your past still looks like your present. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying. It it's 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 one thing for you to remember your past and say, Oh wow, boy, I was I was terrible. Wow, I did that. I broke those hearts of those girls. You mean I did this? You mean I, I watched those things, and I was I was terrible. Thank God for his grace. But it's a different story when you look at your past and say, wow, I did those things. And then you look at your present and it's like, oh, wait, I'm still doing those things. Wait, wait, I, I used to watch porn when I was in my old life. I'm still watching porn in this new life. I used to cheat on my girlfriends in my past life. I'm still cheating today. I used to lie in my old life. I was a terrible liar to get out of trouble or to end favor with someone. And right now, I still tell lies. I was proud in my old life. I used to be a troublemaker. I didn't forgive easily. I always was angry, quick to anger. I still get angry today. Then there is a problem. When the past starts to look like the present there is a problem and i need you to understand that the past needs to remain in the past but when it starts to creep into the present then work needs to be done praise the name of jesus you see the message of grace and the message of the gospel is such a good one we've talked about the past for, for many of you the past was okay it was reasonable it wasn't too bad Right, You weren't perfect. I mean, nobody is perfect, but it wasn't too bad. For some of you, it was messy. It was terrible. You knew where you were in your past. The beautiful thing about the grace of God, the message of grace and the gospel, is that, look, no matter how bad you've been, no matter how terrible or how grave your sins were, there is nothing too big for God to forgive. I, I would always give this illustration. You know, the, the, you know this man, Adolf Hitler, who was a terrorist, a German terrorist, who killed millions of Jews and black people and deformed, defected children. This man did so much havoc. If, if Adolf Hitler managed to kill every single human being in the world, And the last person for him to kill was a believer. And the believer preaches to him and he, you know, repents of his sin and believes in the message of the gospel. Guess what? Because of how rich in mercy God is, God will forgive him. Yes, I said it. You can quote me anywhere. The riches of God's mercies are so vast that you can't even begin to comprehend when you think of the richest man in the world, think about a million times that amount. That's how vast the riches of God's grace are in forgiving a sinful person. And that's hope. That There's hope for you. It means that you and I, no matter the debt... No matter the the terrible things we did in our past, God can take it all away. And He didn't ask us to to, to clean yourself up. Ew, 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 ew. Stop! 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 Clean yourself. You are too dirty for me. Ah, come on, do something nice. Let me see you get a nice suit, get a nice shirt. Take away those rags. Start to look clean. Then I can I can consider you. You know, He didn't ask that. He saw you as you were in your sin as you were dirty and messy with an ugly and dark past. And he said, no, come, look, I like you the way you are. It's okay. Come to me. As much as I don't want you to stay the way you are, I will accept you the way you are. That's what he did. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, come, come, let me clean you. Let me clean you. And he did that. He washed us white as snow. Even though our sins were scarlet, he washed us white as snow. Glory to God. Washed it all away. He didn't ask you to pay something. To look the part. To to try and do some nice things before he considers. He took you as you were. But the beautiful thing about grace is that God doesn't take you as you are to leave you as you are. No, no. His love is too good for that. He takes you as you are and makes you who he wants you to be. He changes you from the inside out. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. We couldn't do anything to earn his favor. We couldn't earn our salvation with good works. We couldn't bring anything to the table of salvation. That's the reality. That's the truth of the matter. We couldn't. What could we do? How many good works would be enough to appease God? And look, by the time you say, you know what? Today I'm going to give to the poor. You know, I'm going to give to this orphanage. You know, I'm, I'm going to start doing the house chores. I'm going to start being respectful to my parents. I'm going to start getting good grades. I'm going to stop the sex and stop the pornography. But as you're doing these things and doing these things, guess what? As you're trying to do good works... Because of how imperfect man is, humanity is, there will be bad works. Bad works will also happen. So at what point do you get that you say, I think my good works are enough now to get God's attention. It's impossible. You can't do that. You can't earn God's favor and salvation by trying to do good things. I'll give you an example. I don't know if you've ever had this, exa- this uh, instance before. Has someone ever offended you so badly? Maybe they betrayed your trust or did something you just hated so much. And you were so angry with them. And they tried so hard to just do nice things. Buy you food. Do this. Do that. And the more they try to do these things, you're the more angry. You got you got even more irritated. Like, what does this guy think? You think I will just forgive you like that? Oh, rubbish! You think food can can settle this matter? be. You think this is enough to to just to just quench this anger I have for you and this offense? No, rubbish! You know, the more the person tries and tries and tries to do nice things, the more repelled you are by it. That's what it means. When the Bible says in Isaiah 64 that all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. That's how it looks. When God is not, you're not on right standing with God, yet you are trying to do all these nice things. Do all these good things. God is not pleased by those things. He wants you to first realize that in and of yourself, there is no sufficiency. You can't be right with him by yourself. You can't change yourself. You don't have the capacity to. He wants you to realize that he is the only one who has that capacity to change you for real. And he's not going to try to make you look the part. He starts from inside. He starts from the inside of you. He starts from your nature and glory to God. Ezekiel 36 from verse 25 to to verse 27 summarizes and tells us that, look, he will take away that stony heart from you and put his spirit within, within you and then cause you to walk according to his statutes. That's what God's idea is to start from the inside. Because a lot of people try to 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 do all the right things outwardly, try to play the part, be the good goody-two-shoes, be morally upright on the outside, thinking that that can change them on the inside, thinking that that could change the, the, the desires of their flesh. But that was not God's idea. God's idea was, let me change them from the inside, and soon enough, they'll start to produce good things on the outside. Do you understand Have you ever seen a tap? Very fancy. I once went to a friend's house, and the tap was so good. The faucet, the, the tap was beautiful. It was elegant. I was like, whoa, it was was really, go- it was gold. Gold colored. I was like, this is great. By the time I turned on the tap, there was dirty water the water was so dirty and unclean that came out from it and they said it was the tank the tank was faulty so they had dirty water it was contaminated that that's real and that's what a lot of people try to do they try to look good on the outside but on the inside the the source is it's nasty it's contaminated but sometimes you might see a rusty Tap on the outside, and what's coming out from it is beautiful, clean water. That's the point. God wants to help bring you clean water out of you, and soon enough, He starts to renovate even what's on the outside. Praise the name of Jesus. That's God's idea. And look, the good thing is this: we have no right to boast before God. We can't t- tell God on that day when we meet Him face to face on that judgment day. We can go to him and say, Lord, oh yeah, I'm ready. Yes, uh, who are you? Ah, it's <laughs> me now, it's me, Tunde. What do you want? <laughs> what kind of question is that? Have you not seen all the things I've done? Oh yeah, open my CV. You have it, I sent it to you. Open my moral CV. Look at number one. I did this in the church. Number two, I paid my tithes. I did not fail once. Not once, not once. Me? I was in five service units. I went on evangelism Seth uh-uh, isn't on me I fed 5,000 orphans and the list goes on and on and all that we, you would hear is no all these things cannot earn you a place in heaven they sound nice but what is the difference between you and, hu- and, and, and humanists and, and, and secularists those who just Do do nice things, but don't even believe in me. What's the difference? Because God wants you to stand before him on that day and realize how deeply dark your life was, how terribly a sinner you were, how dead in transgressions you were, and see that, look, if not for him, you would have been dead. If not for him, you would have remained in sin and darkness and damnation. He wants you to stand before him and say, Lord, I have no right to be here, but you made it so. By your grace and by your grace alone, I am here and I'm willing and I'm worthy. I'm qualified to have a place in heaven because you made it so. That's what God wants to hear. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 8 to 9. This is what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is, it is the gift of God, gifts, a free gift of God, (laughs) glory to God, not of works, lest any man should boast, oh see that, see that, not of works, lest any man should boast, God doesn't want you to, to have to boast before him, he doesn't want you to do that, have you heard of the man cornelius yeah he's in acts chapter 10 the bible describes him you know in acts chapter 10 verse 2 as a devout man one that feared god with all of his house he, he gave alms to the people and prayed to god always he was a roman soldier an italian and and the reason why he prayed to God and gave answers is because of how deeply associated he was with the Jews. He was an assignment to, to 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 rule over the Jewish area, and he he'd had interactions. They had rubbed off on their culture, so he prayed to God, actually prayed to the to Yahweh of, of, of the Jews. And and the good thing is that God recognized it, but sadly this was. A kind of righteousness that was not according to knowledge. Paul said the same thing. He said I, I, in Romans 10, I pray for my brothers because they do have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They're trying to chase a different type of righteousness. They're trying to do this and do that and, and try to earn God's favor by the things that they do. And guess what happened? I mean, if you had seen the story of Cornelius, it would be like, this guy, uh, number one candidate in heaven, for sure. He has a place, VIP lounge. He's uh a sure banker. But guess what happens? The whole narrative was proof that good works are never enough to earn you a place in heaven. They are never enough to earn you a right standing with God. Never enough to earn his forgiveness. And what happens, Peter is sent by God to this man to, to, to preach the message of the gospel, to preach about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins in him by faith in him. And as as Peter is speaking in verse 44, Cornelius and his family begin to, to speak in tongues and praise the name of the Lord. They believed the gospel, the spirit of God came upon them and they began to to, to pray in tongues. Oh, that was a beautiful sign. And Peter was thinking about, wait, what? This man is a Roman. He's a Gentile. How, how could he even receive this thing called salvation? And he realized that, look, he realized that this was God's plan that yet yeah, this man was known to be devout he was known to be morally upright but still god wanted more for him god wanted that his soul is saved god wanted that his spirit is changed and he's given a new spirit god wants that the nature is transformed whether you are a jew or a gentile or a nigerian or you're a male or you're a female or you were a drug addict or you were a class perfect no matter what your story is god wants all to be saved for real by faith in his son Jesus Christ. Glory to Jesus. Think about that for a second. That's beautiful. And that's hopeful because if we're trying to to outdo monks and, and, and priests those who dedicate their life to to uh, you know ascetic practices who who give themselves to to high moral standards if we try to outdo them in, in in moral excellence you won't go near some of these people fast for several days stay in mountains hidden spending their days in meditation and giving to the poor you cannot come near that it's it, it almost unattainable and that's the point it really isn't attainable god wants you to know that if you want to reach the heavens if you want to reach him it's only through his son faith in his son whosoever believes will not perish but have eternal life glory to jesus hallelujah i I want to do something quickly i want to show you something i want to show you how you were in your past. I really want you to get to appreciate this because when you think about this, it's going to drive you in sincere appreciation. It is going to, to drive you to realize that, look, at the end of the day, this was God's work. What God did in you, this thing called salvation was his work from start to finish. I want you to also see that, look, if you had an old life, if you had a past, it has to be done away with. God didn't come to save you, to leave you the way you are. He he saved you to make you like Him. Do you see that? He he saved you so that you'll be like Him. So that you'll be perfect like your Heavenly Father is perfect. So that you'll be holy like your Heavenly Father is holy. That's the point. So I want to show you, there's something I call the but moment. The but moment, B-U-T. You would see a narrative about what the past looked like for you and for sinners like us who were sinners. And there's a but that just makes all the difference and tells us, look, that was you then, but now this is who you are it's important that you understand this but moments in your life so that you understand that the past is not allowed to creep into your present that you understand that your past has no place in your present or your future it belongs only in the past so let me show you the scriptures very quickly let's go to titus i hope you're not hungry but we're going to titus chapter 3 from verse 3 oh glory to jesus Oh, I love this. Alright, Titus chapter 3 from verse 3. And I'm reading to verse 5. Look at this. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Look at that. You are disobedient. You are deceived. You are serving diverse lusts and pleasures. Does that sound like you? Moving from one relationship to the next. From one form of pleasure to the other. Living in malice. Does that sound like how you were before? You lived in malice. You lived in anger and bitterness. Envy. You were envious of people rather than celebrating them. You were hateful of people and hating one another. Look at verse 4. But. But after that the kindness And love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. Look at that! Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? It tells you that. Look, yes, your past was ugly. You were foolish. You were disobedient. You were you were slaves to pleasures and lost. You were living in anger and malice and and envy and hate. But, after the kindness and love of God appeared, He saved us. He saved us. He washed us clean by this Holy Spirit. He renewed us by the Spirit. And He says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Ah, glory to God. That's the reality. There is a but moment that separates your past from your present. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. I'll read it very quickly because we're reading all the way to verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1 to 6. And I'm going to read as quickly as I can. And you hath he quickened. Look at that. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses. The word quickened there means to bring to life. You were brought to life who were dead in trespasses and sins. Look at that. You were dead in trespasses and sins notice the tense there you were dead you were dead and that's why we say that when it comes to salvation you are not giving your life to christ because you didn't have any life to give you were dead in your transgressions but when we we had salvation come to the lord what we do is we receive his life it's called eternal life jesus said if any man thirst let him come to me and drink And out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. That's the point. So you were thirsty, you were dead. But out of your bellies now flow rivers of endless, eternal, living water. Glory to Jesus. So that's you. You were dead in your trespasses. Verse 2. He continues to talk about your past. He says, Wherein in time past, You walked, look at this, according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So there was a spirit in in nature that worked in you because you were a child of disobedience. The the, the sinful nature, the sinful spirit. Amongst whom, verse 3, also we had our conversation conversation means conduct or interactions we interacted with these people these children of disobedience in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind and we were by nature the children of wrath even as others do you see this so it tells you about your past you were just chasing desires and wrong desires fleshly desires lustful desires But look at verse 4. Look at this. And I don't know why, but it's always the verse fours. (laughs) It says it here. But God. Say that, but God. Yes, you were messed up. You were following wrong desires. But God, who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath quickened us together with Christ. And he says by grace are you saved. So even when you were dead in sins. Now he has brought you to life together in Christ. It tells you it's by grace you are saved. Verse 6 says and he's raised you up together. Made you sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you see that? That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Praise the name of Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Oh, you need to see this. Galatians chapter 5 from verse 19. Oh, this is beautiful. We're going to read from verse 19 and we're going to read till verse 23. Or let's read to verse 24. Yes. So from verse 19 it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, so it's, 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 it's telling you about the works of the flesh. It there's adultery, there is fornication, there's uncleanness, there's lasciviousness. That's that's a sense of covetousness for, for lustful things. Um, you have idolatry, verse 20, witchcraft, hatred, variance. That's that's when you call talk about contentions, um, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies envyings murders drunkenness revelings and such like this of which i tell you before as i have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god that was you that was me we engaged in the works of the flesh that's all we knew anger strife bitterness lost pleasures these were the things we knew but guess what? They were in the past. Look at verse 22. But. Oh. But the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and such. Against such there is no law. Verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Look at what he's saying about you. And those who belong to Christ. Have done what? They've crucified the flesh. With the affections and lust of the flesh. Do you see this? So he's told you who you were. He tells you what's changed. And he tells you what your reality is now. You have crucified the flesh. With the affections and lust of the flesh. I want to show you another one. Very quickly. I know we don't have much time. But I want you to see this for yourself. Look at this. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 5. I'll read very quickly. Oh, beautiful. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 5. And this is what it says. Alright? It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And it talks about the same thing, works of the flesh. So, this is similar to what we read in Galatians 5. This is... um, another example of the works of the flesh and you know talking about uh the fruit of the spirit so look at this mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry and it says this for which things sake the wrath of god comment on the children of disobedience do you see that you were a child of disobedience and it says this verse 7 in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them look If Paul makes it a conscious, I I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying, but if Paul is making it a, a conscious point of duty to remind you how your past was, to tell you all the nasty, dirty things that were associated with you in the past, but still remind you of the present and God's plan for you in salvation and what the reality ought to be for you, then I will do the same. Then I will remind you that your past was dirty. It was dirty. It was dirty dark it was disgusting it was unfruitful but god did something about it my past was like that too but god did something about it he saved you he killed and and destroyed the body of sin for you he got rid of the power of sin for you so that you might live in righteousness that's god's beautiful plan don't you see look at verse 7 It says, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. Look at verse 8, but now, look at that word, but now, you also put off all these. And when you see a statement like that, put away these things. It means you have the ability to do them. No new covenant instruction comes without the ability to fulfill it. In the old covenant absolutely you tell them thou shalt not do not do this and in fact as as moses was getting the instruction you should have no other god before me guess what these guys were doing they were they were breaking the first law already they were building a golden calf they couldn't keep to the instructions and that's why there were about 630 civil laws that moses in re, in state, he, he established those laws because the people were unruly. You tell them, don't do this, they do even worse. You have to bring up a new law to control them, and they do even worse. They were hardened, they had instructions, but they couldn't follow them. But what God aims to do is that He will put His Spirit in you and cause you to obey His statutes and His judgments and His commandments. The commandments are still there. The instructions are still there. So what is the difference? The difference is that now you have the ability to fulfill God's instructions. Do you see? That is good news. You have help. And not just help from anyone. You have help from God Himself now praise the lord so verse 8 says but now you also put off all these things put away anger put away wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing that you have look at this seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds that is the expectation as paul writes this like look you have put off the old man with his deeds the old man the past he's gone so don't do these things. Look at verse 10. And you have put on the new man. Say, I have put on the new man. I have put on the new man. You're talking about the newness of life. The new creation. I have put on the new man. Which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And, and this just talks about growth. As much as you've put on the new man, that new man is renewed in knowledge. So as you grow in faith, as you, as you listen to a teaching like this, something happens. You are growing. Your new man is being shapened. Your, your soul is being renewed after the image of him that created you. Praise the name of Jesus. But what I'm trying to say, in essence, is that there was a past. There was darkness. There was death. There was sin. There was There was darkness. And God in his mercy, rich in his mercy said, you know what? As much as that was your story, I want to change your story. I want to make you brand new. I want to change all of this. I want to change the narrative and cleanse you and make you good, make you righteous, make you holy, make you pure, make you perfect, make you sanctified, make you glorious from within. That was God's plan. It still is. And that's what he has done for you praise the name of jesus so the whole point of this series look at the end of the day is to help you first of all realize that you could not earn god's favor by your works the second thing is to let you know that your past was a bad place to be it was bad but sometimes you see that this past starts to creep into your present and that's a problem it shouldn't be the case the point of this teaching is to help you realize that your past doesn't have to repeat in your present. Your, your, your past doesn't have to be a stubborn thing that, that keeps appearing and rearing up its ugly head and, and you know just having endless cycles of struggles and sin. And you're just wondering, am I really saved? Am I really good? Am I really righteous? Am I really transformed? Am I really born again? Because the devil will want you to think so the devil will want you to feel condemned to feel accused it's his job and i mean rightly so it, it it only feels that way when you you keep messing up and you're like look i thought i was done away and I, I, I was i had done away with these things i thought i was done with these things but they're repeating i've received jesus but still these things are there my my goal and my assignment is to help you realize that you can be consistent in good works glory to god that's god's desire he wants you to not just be consistent in fact he wants you to be enthusiastic and passionate for doing good works but i want to put it close look doing good works at the end of the day is not for god your good works I'll, i'll put it this way your good works are not for god to see you but your good works are for the world to see god So God doesn't require your your good works. Your your good works are not a a, a, a requirement for salvation. They're the result of salvation. Your your good works are not prerequisite for salvation. They're the product of salvation. Your your good works are, are not the payment for salvation. They're the receipt of salvation. Do you see that? That's what good works are. But they're not for god to see you and recognize you no your good works are for the world to see him that's why the bible says in matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what thank you for it or that they may see your good works and say now it's time for god to recognize you No, that they may see your good works and glorify your your father which is in heaven so when they see your good works they see the father do you see that it's it's akin to what james says in chapter 2 he says in verse uh, 17 of chapter 2 that uh, you know even so faith if it has not works is what dead being alone so literally he's saying faith without works is what it's dead verse 18 he says "Yea, a man may say thou hast faith and i have works so you're saying oh you you have faith i have works but he says this show me your faith without works and look what i will show you is my faith by my works so i will prove to you that i believe in jesus christ by the works i do how can i know your faith in christ if there are no works to prove it Do you understand? So God didn't need your good works to get you saved, but he needs them to help the world see him, to help the world see what salvation looks like. He wants you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for the sake of the world, for the sake of the brothers, to help people see God in you. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, I want to read this scripture to you. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 10. You probably know this. But I want to read it to you again. It says this. Oh, this is lovely. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. He had just told them, the Ephesians. He told them that, look, you are saved by grace through faith. Is that not of yourselves? It's, it, it's a gift from God. A free gift from God. Not of works lest any man should boast. But he tells you as much as you are not saved by your works. He now tells you that you are his workmanship. God created you in Christ Jesus. Where were you created? You were created in Christ Jesus. That's your life. That's your location. You are in Christ. And remember when I said that at the beginning. That when God sees you. He sees his son Jesus Christ. Because you are in him. Your identity is in him now. Your life is in him. Your death is in him. Your burial is in him. Your resurrection is in him. Everything that you are and have. Is in Christ. And so he says you are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which God hath before ordained. That we should walk in them. So it's always been God's desire and plan. That we would walk in these good works. You are created in Christ. Unto good works. Were you saved by your good works? No. But were you saved unto good works? Absolutely Yes. Absolutely, affirmatively, yes. God wants you to work, work out good works, right? That's what God wants. But let me show you this. This is the anchor text for all that we've been doing. And I saved it for last because I needed to sink in into your heart, right? You know, when you talk about good works, look, I'm, I'm talking about everything that is right and good and according to the will of God that's what good works means that that God will see you do these things and be pleased and say yes this is what I called you to this is what I saved you onto this is what I created you to achieve and fulfill good works so open your Bibles if you had not opened your Bibles from the beginning of of this teaching till now you have to open your Bible for this one and it's Titus chapter 2 from verse 11 let's go there quickly oh yeah titus chapter 2 from verse 11 i'm going to read all the way to verse 14 but i need your attention here so many times a lot of people talk about this grace and they get scared they get skeptical how can you tell me that you know you say you know what it doesn't matter how terrible you've been god forgives you god 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 shows his grace to you and they, and they ask questions like won't that be taking advantage of god's grace oh because god is nice and cute and lenient with you he doesn't just you know throw fire bolts and thunderbolts at you anymore he's patient with you won't you take advantage of that and take him for granted won't, won't that make you want to continue in sin because grace is there and paul replied in romans 6 2 says god forbid god forbid that that will be our response to his grace God forbid that we who are dead in sin will live any longer in it. The response of such great grace is gratitude, appreciation, and motivation to keep living in righteousness. When Jesus told the adulterous woman and told her, Where are your accusers? and all of them had left, and she said, So that no one is left to accuse me. And he said, Look, neither do I accuse you. And he forgave her sins and told her, Go and sin no more that in itself was the motivation for her to go and sin no more he didn't tell her no 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 you need to, re- just to stop this adultery you need to go to the temple offer sacrifices and then come back and then we can have a discussion he forgave her on the spot he forgave her on the spot and told her, go and sin no more. His expectation was that his forgiveness of her sin, his show of abundance grace would motivate her to go and sin no more and live in righteousness. And I need to say that because some of you, maybe you have actually taken his grace for granted. You you, you were relaxed, but that's not God's response for you. His intention is that you remember his grace, and that moves you to great gratitude that moves you to a, a, a passion and a decision of surrender to keep living righteously for him that you know you owed such a great debt that you can never repay, and so you are only going to live your life for him, give your life to him in service and in devotion and in righteousness. But let me not get carried away. Let's look at Titus chapter two again, I'm sorry if you're hungry. And I'm saying Titus a lot, but look, I'm sorry. This is our base for this teaching. This is our home base, right? And you need to come here with me. Verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation. So there is a grace of God. And what does it do? It brings salvation. It it appeared to all men. When we present the gospel, the grace of God that brings salvation appears to them. Do you see that that grace is here? But what does this grace do? Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Look at that. Oh, that's huge. Maybe you missed it. It says this grace of God teaches us This same grace that many times has been mistaken to let people to be relaxed and and, and give them some sort of license to keep on sinning. It does the exact opposite. It actually teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. That you would live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Look at that soberly, righteously, and godly. Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It brings the possibility that you can live righteously. And godly, even in this present world even in this dark and crooked generation you can live righteously and you can actually deny ungodliness you can actually deny worldly loss lust, those lost you used to run after in your past life according to your old man now you can do away with them but what is the thing that is making us do that is this grace of god my job is not to start enforcing do this do that my job is not to write 10 commandments for you and tell you thou shalt not no my job as a minister of the gospel is to teach you grace and grace in turn then teaches you to deny ungodliness. To live righteously. To, to live soberly. Do you see that? That's the equation. I teach grace. Grace teaches you to do this. That's what God does for you on the inside. Look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So all this teaching, all this abstaining from worldly lust and living righteously is happening as we look forward to that blessed hope. As we await the coming of our Savior, we are doing this thing. We are living righteously. We're not trying to just live our best life according to pleasures and then we now say, Ah, Jesus is about to come. Father, forgive me for all the sins of commission, omission, and permission any sin I've committed. Forgive me. That's not the method. We are living soberly. We are living righteously even as we await his coming. Do you understand that? That's even that's even more reason that when he comes, he will find us faithful to the very end. That's the goal, that's the motivation. And verse 14 says, Jesus who gave himself for us. So he tells you the purpose of his sacrifice. Now he tells you why he came to give himself for us. He gave himself for us. To what end? That he might redeem us. From all iniquity. Look at that. The goal was to redeem you. To buy you back. That's the word redeem. To buy you back from all iniquity. To snatch you out of the hands of iniquity. And sin and transgression. And purify you it's not done it's enough it's one thing to take you out of sin but it he doesn't just leave you out of sin he now purifies unto himself a peculiar people so he starts to work on you he starts to put desires within you he starts to shed off the excess weight he starts to prune those 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 stubborn stubborn thorns and 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 weeds in your life he starts to purify unto himself a peculiar people a unique people people that have been called out that have been separated from sin who are zealous for good works and that's the title of this teaching if it's funny right that I'm mentioning the title but that's it zealous zealous of good works God gave and he gave himself and invested his life in saving you in redeeming you from sin so that at the end of the day you are zealous for good works so that you realize that you are created in christ jesus unto good works so that you might be passionate about good works so that you you will be relentless about good works that you choose to deny your your the, the, the ungodly pleasures and desires of the flesh and choose to to walk according to righteousness to do good works to be zealous for good works that God's plan, it's all His grace. I know many times when you think of grace, you just think of oh, something you didn't earn, unmerited favor, and you are absolutely right. But you need to start thinking of grace as empowerment, as ability. As enablement, you need to see grace as that. It is the paul it is the, the apostle Paul in first Corinthians 15 verse 10 that says, You know what? I am what I am by the grace of God. It says I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was what at work in me. You need to see grace as enablement. You need to realize that there is grace at work in you that would help you labor. That will help you be zealous for good works. Do you see that? Paul was successful, excellent in good works. He did many good works, and what did he attribute it to? To grace, it's always going to be grace from start to finish. It was grace that saved you. It is grace that now saves you, and it is grace that will keep you to the end till ultimate salvation on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's grace all the way. But look oh you will be zealous oh you will be zealous for good works you will be zealous you will be passionate you will be eager and ready to do good works it's this same titus in in chapter 3 verse 1 you know paul is is admonishing talking to titus says put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to to obey rulers he's talking about people in power he's encouraging them be subject to them to be be obedient to their authority and then he says but at the same time be ready to every good work be ready to every good work so that's my charge to you today be zealous it's 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 an instruction to you it's not a, a it's not wishful thinking, it's not a hope, it's not a prayer. It's an action point. You are to be zealous for good works. You can choose now to be zealous for good works. You are not you are not saved to keep messing up. You are saved to grow. You are saved to grow to a point of maturity and consistency in the faith. God desires this of you. Enough is enough of the past trying to creep into your present. Enough is enough of your old life trying to become your new life you have a new life already and this life is hidden in christ in god you have a new life you were created in christ jesus unto good works christ gave himself that he might redeem you from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people a called out people that are zealous for good works that's you and if you're listening to this, you can actually achieve consistency in righteousness yes, you you can actually live righteously for real. you can live a single life rather than living a double life where in the behind the scenes you're 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 one thing in front of people you're another thing. look, you can be consistent enough of the hypocrisy, enough of the struggling, enough of the past struggles and past experiences and and, and and those things trying to creep into your presence. Enough. Enough. Be zealous. Be aggressive for good works. Even though it's not popular where you are, whether you are in Nigeria or you are in other countries of the world, wherever you are found, despite the culture, regardless of the environment, you can be zealous for good works. You can stand out as a light amidst the darkness. You can stand as a light and shine brightly in this perverse and crooked generation. And when men see your light, guess what they'll do? They will glorify the Father. When you shine your light, they will see your good works and say, thank you, Lord. They will glorify Him for His good work of salvation. Look, you are the proof that salvation works. Do you realize that? It's that serious. If you tell people that God has saved you from your sins, and he forgave you so that you live righteously and you're not living righteously. It's a it's a direct contradiction of the testimony of salvation. So God wants that you're actually living in righteousness just as he has called you to live in righteousness. Just as he has saved you unto righteousness. Saved you unto right standing and right walking with him praise the name of jesus i know god is doing something in someone's heart right now it is possible to be zealous for good works and that's your responsibility you are to have people who can provoke you onto good works you are to also provoke other people onto good works this is god's method this is god's idea you are not saved by good works but you are saved onto them good works are important don't ever, as much as we emphasize the message of grace, don't forget to emphasize the goal of grace. I'll say that again, and I'll say it in a different way. As much as we emphasize the gift of grace, don't forget to emphasize the goal of grace. And the goal of grace is that you are zealous for good works. The goal of grace is that you are passionate about doing good. As much as we tell you, oh, there is grace, come to the Lord. If you're thirsty, drink. If you've been dirty, come and be cleaned. As much as we emphasize that, we need to emphasize the goal of grace. That Now that you have been cleaned, start to do good works. Now that you've been transformed, start to act like you've been regenerated. That you've been renewed, start to live a life consistent in moral excellence and righteousness and holiness before the Lord. Epaphras prayed always, laboring fervently in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That's God's desire for you. That's my desire for you. Can you just turn this to prayer right now, Lord? Things will change in my life here and out. That my life will be one in the direction of righteousness. I will live my life in the in the direction of good works. That onward, going forward. I will always be passionate for good works. I'll be passionate about living right. I will put away ungodliness. I will put away on righteousness and worldliness. And I will start to embrace godliness. I will walk in godliness. I'll embrace righteousness. I will live soberly even in this present world. In the name of Jesus, enough is enough of the pretense. I'm not living a pretentious life anymore. I'm not living a life of hypocrisy. Lord, I live consistently in righteousness. I will live in a manner that is pleasing to you all the days of my life that when you see me you say yes I am pleased when you see me you will see yes that my work of salvation was effective in this one or oh, when you see me you will see righteousness not just as a standing but as my as a walking that I'll be righteous in my standing righteous in my walking righteous in my living righteous in my speaking righteous in my thinking oh Lord that is me I remain zealous for good works I remain zealous for good works. I remain enthusiastic for good works. I remain passionate for good works. All the days of my life, nothing deters me. Nothing stops me. If I fall, I stand up again. And my zeal continues to grow. I rise up. My zeal continues to grow. Nothing gets me down. Lord, I am zealous for good works. When people say, ah, your own is too much. Now relax. This is not a normal thing. Just, just indulge no lord i will be zealous for good works i'll be aggressive and dogged about doing the right things i'll be dogged on my decision to be consistent in righteousness come on pray right now make a commitment to the lord today surrender right now to him make that decision make that confession i remain zealous for good works all the days of my life i will have a track record of progress in my faith I will have a track record of consistency in good works men will see me truly and give you thanks people will see my life and say ah god thank you thank you for what you are doing in the life of this person that will be my testimony in the name of jesus come on pray like you mean it come on pray like you mean it your prayers are important epaphras prayed the same prayer he said the bible says he prayed labored fervently that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of god pray it right now that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of god that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of god pray like you mean it come on your prayers actually count if you believe that what you are praying will happen then pray like you mean it thank you jesus oh thank you glorious lord thank you glorious lord thank you glorious lord hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. (laughs) That's it. Keep praying. Don't stop. Keep praying. Don't stop. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And so precious Father, we thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing with your people Thank you, Lord, because this is the beginning of something beautiful in our lives, where it all changes for us, where we actually look like the people you've called us to be, that we actually are a chosen generation, you know, a royal priesthood, that we've been called out of darkness into your marvelous light. That's the people we want to be. And Lord, we thank you because these things are so we remain ever passionate for good works. We remain zealous for good works all the days of our lives. Without compromise, without defeat, we always overcome. We always conquer in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Come on, sound the voice. Give, give Jesus a shout of rejoicing right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.